0: Let's pray, shall we? So Father, we just thank you for life in the Spirit. God, we thank you that we can gather here and just sense your presence with us, know your hand upon us, and hear your still small voice speaking to us. So right now, we just ask that God, uh, you just speak to us through your word, and you just have your way in and through us, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I don't know whether any of you remember, but in uh, 2014, an Australian called Stuart Cleary set out from the Gold Coast to uh, be the first person to uh, paddle solo 15,000 kilometres uh, unassisted to New Zealand. And uh, he set out in his sea kayak But 12 hours later, he rang his wife to tell her that uh, his sea kayak was taking on water and he was aborting the uh, attempt. Uh, New South Wales Water Police rescued him 40 nautical miles off the coast of um, Coffs Harbour. And uh, when we look at that situation, it's obvious that his preparation in terms of the seaworthiness of his uh, kayak, wasn't that great. Uh, he was lucky, actually, that it started sinking so quickly. Imagine if he was 3,000 kilometres out when the kayak started to go down. Uh, interestingly, 18 months later, in 2016, Stewart's partially submerged kayak washed up on Auckland's Muriwai Beach. And... Uh, There's a few muscles on that, isn't there? (laughs) Preparation is everything. Uh, We're in a battle, and in most cases, preparation is the difference between living life defeated or actually breaking through into a new place in God. It's the difference between success and failure, Uh, in the, how many people have been watching the Olympics, by the way? Yeah. I heard one person complain that they stayed up to watch the, uh, the all-whites uh, play. And, of course, they got beaten in a penalty shootout. At what time in the middle of the night, Isaac? Could it have won in the night? <laughs> oh. But the reality is that nobody goes to the Olympics without being prepared. Emma Twig commented that her gold medal was 20 years in the making. So why do we think success will come to us automatically or quickly in life? Uh, If you want to learn after you are 17 or 18 years of age, you have to choose to learn and you have to pay to learn. If you want to stay slim, I want to ask for a show of hands as to how many people know that it doesn't come automatically, Uh, and it's hard work. (laughs) If you want to stay clean, it's not automatic. If you, uh, you have to choose to grow in God, it's not automatic. Jesus said, anyone who is building a house, you have to prepare and you have to count the cost to see if you've got the materials that you can finish the job. And if you want God to move in your life, you have to choose and prepare to give Him something to work with. And this is really illustrated by a story in 2 Kings chapter 3. The Bible tells us that all Scripture is uh, God-breathed. And it tells us that the Old Testament Scriptures especially are there for our learning. And uh, in this particular passage, Moab, which is always a type of the flesh... Uh, has rebelled against Israel. And so with Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and the king of Edom's help, uh, Joram, king of Israel, sets out with the three armies together to attack Moab. And out of those three, only Jehoshaphat was a God-fearing, godly king. Seven days into their journey, they run out of water and that is absolutely uh, devastating. They're tired, they're thirsty, they're vulnerable, and the first thing that the ungodly king of Israel uh, does is blame God for for their predicament. How often do we hear that? How often do we hear people who have no relationship with God, when things go wrong, the first thing they do is they blame God? I mean, even on insurance forms, there's a provision for an act of God, and they don't even believe it. Uh, so in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 10, uh, we're going to read this uh, reasonably long passage, and it says this, What exclaimed the king of Israel? Has God called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may be inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, Because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab, Elijah said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he said, This is what the Lord says. Make this valley... Full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says You will neither see wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. And it's interesting, the reflection of the water confuses the Moabites and, uh, and leads to their complete defeat. And we read in verse 24, And Israel invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. That was an amazing miracle. It's interesting, unlike the other kings, when Jehoshaphat faced a problem, his first response was always to hear what God wanted him to do. Uh, You read the same sort of thing in 2 Chronicles 20, when again, um, Judah is being attacked by three armies, and the first thing that Jehoshaphat does is he calls a fast, and he gets the whole nation of Judah to pray to the Lord. So it was in his heart, the first thing he always wanted to do was to hear what God wanted him to do. Uh, Most of us, are facing situations where we need to grow, or we need a breakthrough. Uh, it may be in the area of finance. It could be health. It could be uh, problems with your loved ones, addictions, mindsets. Uh, it could be in your work situation, your business environment. It might be in your relationship with God that is just stagnated and needs to go to another level. But each of us uh, needs a breakthrough in one area or another because we all need to grow. We haven't arrived there yet. We all need to go to another level in the things of God. And the first step to breakthrough is always to seek the Lord and be led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit, we need to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. And by the way, um, I don't know whether it came through in the announcements this morning, but this afternoon I'm doing a workshop on hearing the still small voice of God. And so that'll be particularly useful for those of you who uh, decide to come along. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in a number of ways. He speaks to us through the scriptures, through inward impressions in a still small voice, through prophetic ministry, through dreams, through visions, through natural happenings, through angelic visitations, through the audible voice of God. Uh, God is speaking to his people all the time. It's like in this room. This room is filled with radio waves. All we need to do is have a radio receiver and we can turn it on and tune it in and we'll hear what they are broadcasting. And the same is true with the uh, Word of God to it. He's speaking to us all the time. The problem is that we often just don't stop and tune in and listen. Psalm 81 verse 13 says, If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? How many people are facing a bit of a battle at the moment? need a breakthrough, eh? You know, listen to what God's saying in your situation. For me, my biggest hindrance to hearing what God is saying is actually to stop and spend time being still so I can just listen. I won't ask for how many people have got an A1 personality here. Uh, I won't ask for those that are always on the go, that uh, need to be busy doing things, but generally, uh, those sort of personalities, uh, those sort of people might be high achievers, but we also uh, tend to miss the opportunities that God affords to us where we can just stop and be still and listen. When Elijah needed to hear God's voice after he was basically burnt out. When he goes to a cave on Mount Carmel. There's wind and rain. There's thunder. There's earthquakes. All places where traditionally he had heard the voice of God Speaking to him. But it wasn't in any of those that God came through. God spoke to him with a still, small voice. And the reality is, uh, another translation is, a gentle whisper. And the reality is, if you want to hear God's gentle whisper, you need to be still yourself. But the great thing is that to hear a whisper You need to be close to the person who's whispering. And when God is whispering, you can be sure that he's close to you. That action of being still, and it says in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. The action of being still doesn't necessitate uh, hours on end of being still, but it does mean that throughout our busy schedules, we need to take time on a regular basis just to stop and be still and acknowledge his presence with us uh, during the day. It's, it's really about people. It's about developing a God bias rather than relying on our own natural giftings all the time. And by a God bias, I mean, um, I was telling some guys the other day after I smacked myself in the head with a golf ball, I was t- telling people, well, actually, you know, the, um, the sport where most, more people die playing than any other sport is outdoor bowls. <laughs> more people die when they're playing outdoor bowls than any other game <laughs> because they're old. <laughs> all right? They dot, drop dead. All right? But, but a bowl has a bias A bowl has a bias, and when you bowl it down, that the faster you bowl it, the less the bias takes its effect. The faster we go, the less we allow the bias in our heart to take effect. But we need to develop a mentality, we need to develop a lifestyle that allows our bias, our tendency to rely on God to take control of our life. As I said, we need to be God-biased rather than relying on our own natural gifting all the time. Now, God will use our natural strengths, and part of being prepared... And putting ourselves in a place where God can move in us and through us is to continue to develop the gifts that he gives us. That is so important. That is so important. Grow, develop, hone your giftings so that God can use you. Young people, study, work hard to develop what God has given you, but In that study, in that gifting, in that honing of the talents that God gives you, learn to marry them with the Spirit of God so that God can take hold of those talents, so that God can take hold of those giftings. When Moses was standing before the Lord, he had his shepherd's staff in his hand. When Moses was standing before the burning bush, And the shepherd's staff represented his tools of trade. It represented the gift that he had as being a shepherd. God said, throw it down. And Moses did. He threw down his shepherd's staff. It was a symbol of surrendering his talents to the Lord. When Moses, when God told Moses to pick up that staff, it wasn't just Moses' staff anymore. There was an anointing on that staff. And it was the staff of God and Moses. And when you have a look and see the miracles that happened, mainly it was the staff. It was the staff that Moses held out that God works through to bring about those miracles. There are people here this morning, and you need to surrender your giftings. You need to surrender your uh, craftsmanship. You need to surrender your job situations afresh to the Lord. Because God is saying, hey, I want to invade those situations, and I want to take them to another level. No matter where we are, God's with us. So Jehoshaphat goes to Elijah and Elijah says, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. Dig ditches. It didn't make sense, but God said it, so they did it. When you dig ditches that God has told you to dig, even when it doesn't make sense, God will fill them. If you're following what God is saying for you to do, in each situation and circumstance, God will fill the ditches that we dig. He doesn't always make sense. We aren't supposed to understand Him. He's God. How can we understand Him? But we are required to trust Him and be obedient to His word. It's one thing to hear from God, it's another thing to be obedient and do something about it. You know, every Wednesday morning I meet with a group of uh, Whangarei ministers and have been doing this for 20 years. Uh, We've been praying for each other and with each other, and we've been praying for the city, and we've been praying for revival. We've been digging ditches to the Lord in the Spirit. But a little while back, I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to ask the guys, I said, if God was to answer even half of our prayers would we be ready? Would we be able to handle the influx of souls that we are actually asking for? It's no good asking for a revival if we haven't dug the ditches of preparation and got a new Christian class and a discipleship program all sorted out. And it was interesting, none of the other guys had those classes, had those preparations in their churches. I thought, God isn't going to bring people to us unless he can trust us to look after them. And God isn't going to do in your life what you can do. We need to do what we can do so that God can do what he can do. So seek the Lord. Try and be led by his Spirit. Commit yourself to praying and asking him to intervene in each situation and each circumstance that you come across and let God do what he can do. A real key to achieving breakthrough is to believe and act upon God's word. Uh, And I believe, for instance, as an example, I believe that God heals today. But if I don't act upon that, nothing's going to happen. On Tuesday, I came into uh, our staff meetings and I had a really, really, really bad cold. Uh, Some of you have had that um, thing that's kept you down for a few weeks or so. I had it. My throat was raspy, as the staff will testify, and so I had a choice. I I could hardly talk. So on Wednesday, when our... Prayer team were in there praying. I thought, right, I tell everybody else to go and get prayed for, I'll go and get prayed for. So I did. So uh, Pam and her team prayed for me on Thursday night at our weekly prayer meeting. I got the team to pray for me as well. And here I am this morning, which was not looking likely. Middle of the week. In fact, Russell will testify to the fact I said, Russell, you might be preaching on Sunday. (laughs) I'll give you the notes. (laughs) You're going to have to deliver it. But God's good. And by the way, um, Pam was telling me that a member of her life group had a um, nine-year-old granddaughter who had been deaf in one ear since early childhood and had regular operations to remove polyps, which um, grow in the ear, Uh, also holes in both eardrums. So she asked the group to pray as the uh, child was to undergo surgery to remove the polyps that day. They prayed, they prayed for healing, and they prayed that both ears would be completely uh, restored. And uh, the young girl uh, went in for operation. The doctors found there was no polyps, that the holes in the eardrum were almost completely closed. And the next day when she was at her grandmother's house, the microwave beeped. She clapped her hands over her ears, ran out of the room saying, turn it off, it's too loud. Her healing had been completely restored. (laughs) That is the result of prayer. God told the kings to dig ditches and although they were tired, they had no water, they did. They filled the valley with ditches and they gave God something to work with. It's amazing the number of times in the Bible that we read that when people ask for a miracle, God actually gives them instructions. Uh, if we were to go to the next chapter in Kings, you'll find there's a story of the story uh, of the woman, the widow, who is facing a crisis because her husband was dead. She had no money. She was about to lose the kids. And she's told by the prophet to go and borrow empty jars from all her neighbors. She did in obedience, and God filled them with oil. In the following chapter, it's the captain of the Syrian army who has leprosy, who's told to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Eventually, after complaining that Jordan was a dirty river and that they had better rivers in Syria, Eventually, he goes and does it, and he gets his miracle. Jesus said to Lazarus' friends, you roll away the stone. And then he called Lazarus forth. He says to us, draw near to God, and then what? Then he will draw near to you. God responds to our attempts to move closer to him. I've always found that when I take one deliberate step towards God, no matter how feeble that is, he always takes a couple towards me. And he, always, he pursues us more than we pursue him. We just need to take that step. We just need to come to him and say, God, I'm just <laughs> having a real problem. Would you help me? And then our Heavenly Father jumps right in. He says, are you sick? Then get someone to pray for you. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. The pattern in all of these is to hear the word, receive the word, believe the word, And be obedient to the word. Uh, One of the things I've found is Proverbs 21, verse 1. It says, The heart of a king is like rivers of water in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it this way or that. And if you're here this morning and you're worried about your future, you're worried about decisions that you have to make, the best thing that you can do is put your heart in God's hands. Because if your heart is in God's hands, he'll take care of everything else. He can turn it this way or that. I was technical executive for New Zealand Dairy. I was going to a black power funeral. One of the guys who had been in a, in a home group that I'd run for young people had got murdered by a mongrel mob member. I was asked to speak at that, um, that tangi. And yeah, it was. It was a real honor. And when I sat down after speaking, God spoke to me. And he said, how many more young men will die before you'll preach my word? I didn't want to be a preacher. I'd never had any thoughts or desires whatsoever to be in full-time ministry. I thought God had called me to give to his work and to support uh, the ministers at our local church but when God said it I went home I talked to Penny she married a biotechnologist not a preacher I then talked to my pastor and then when we confirmed that this was God I resigned my job in the dairy company I had to follow through on what God had said, and the rest is history. I'd never expected to become a pastor before that, but I had been digging ditches in the Spirit for years. And by the way, I'm not saying this because um, everyone's called to be pastors. No, not at all. Uh, We need people to be the best that they can be ministering out in the harvest field, that's 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 what God calls most people to. But when you put your heart in God's hands, anything can happen. You know, you know that it's safe. It's safe there. Uh, one of the ditches that I dug for years, since the time that I got saved, was regularly reading and studying of the Word of God. I think one of the things I was thankful for for my um, university training was that it taught me to be a studier. And studying the Word is so important. You young people, you've got so many resources at your fingertips these days. It's all there. It's all on the net. You can get whatever. Study has never been easier than what it is at the moment. But every day... I would read God's word and I would study God's word, and God filled the ditch I was digging with favor and insight, and His hand was upon me. This is way, 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 way before I ever went into full time ministry in the church. Before I was in full time ministry in the church, I was in full time ministry in industry. And God was using me, but the ditches that I was digging was studying the Word of God. Joshua, in the Bible, was a man anointed for conquest. He was called to take Israel into the Promised Land and defeat God's enemies. And there were a number of really specific and significant prophetic words given to Joshua. One of the best of these is in Joshua 1.8. And it says this. It says, Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's a word for someone here this morning. God's saying, hey, when you get into the word of God, I'm going to guide and lead you. When you get into the word of God, you will be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged. I'm going to be with you. That's such a great word. And if we would read God's word, meditate on God's word, believe God's word, speak God's word, live out God's word, we would have success. That's the key. The Bible doesn't often talk about success. Most often, the Bible talks about faithfulness. But when it does talk about success, these are the keys to create a successful life. Get into God's Word. Get into God's Word. We don't have to understand why that is true, but as we do it, as we dig the trench of reading, believing, and living out the Word of God, we create a place For God to move. But also, every day, I dug the hardest but most rewarding of all preparations, and that was faith filled, persevering prayer. Do you know why you need to have persevering prayer? Think about it. Why do you have persevering prayer? Because You need persevering prayer because often when you first pray, you don't see the results straight away. That's why you need to keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. In Luke 18, Jesus tells the parable of the persistent, persistent widow. He says in verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We don't have to even read the parable. That's it summarized. Pray, don't give up. James 1.3, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Testing, problems, difficult situations, they all produce perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you want to be mature and complete, not lacking anything, you need to develop perseverance. Perseverance. And the only way you get perseverance is when you've got problems that you have to keep on praying about. That's the pathway to maturity. It takes faith to pray and keep on praying, but persistent prayer always produces breakthroughs. Persistent prayer is a ditch that God will always fill. We've got people who have been coming every week to our Thursday night prayer meeting, 7.30 to 8.30, Rain, hail, or shine. That's persistent prayer. That is saying, God, use me in that situation. When you persevere and dig a trench, you give God the opportunity to fill it. Jacob said of God, I will not let you go until you bless me. The disciples prayed in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. Seven times, Elijah prayed for God to break the drought before he saw a small cloud on the horizon and he knew that God was answering his prayer. Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days before the angel Gabriel finally broke through after a battle in the heavenlies. The woman with the issue of blood been bleeding for 12 years, but she said, if I can just touch Jesus, maybe I'll be healed. About 30 years ago, I was given a book, which is not in print these days. It's called Seven Great Prayer Warriors. And one of them uh, was George Mueller. And uh, if you ever get a chance to uh, read a biography or study the life of George Mueller, what an amazing man of faith and prayer he was. He had four friends that were unsaved, and he prayed for them every day. One got saved within a few few weeks of him starting to pray. Another one got saved within a few months of him praying. Another one, the third one got saved after a couple of years of him praying. The fourth guy, George Mueller prayed for him every day for 56 years. And he never saw that man come to faith. That man came to faith at George Mueller's funeral. Persistent, 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 Faithful prayers. Perseverance is the key to inheriting God's promises. Hebrews 10 verse 35, as the musicians come, says this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So here's the situation. Basically, that the writer is addressing he's addressing people with with problems who haven't seen an answer to their prayers they're ready to give up in the situation they're ready to throw it all in and he says don't throw away your confidence in god it's going to be richly rewarded you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Wow. There are people here this morning, don't throw away your confidence. Keep on. Dig those ditches of preparation in praying and reading the Word especially. Give something to God that God can fill.